And as I think about that on top of some of the natural disasters that we've had over this past few months, we truly do need a Jehovah Rapha. We need our Lord to heal us, a Lord to guide us. Because this world, we don't have answers without God. It just don't make sense without the Lord. So as I mentioned, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals is going to be our topic this morning. That's going to be the name of God that we want to focus on and get some time digging into it because our God truly does want to heal us. And it comes from Exodus chapter 15. If you guys can turn with me there. Jehovah Rapha. It was a statement about God, about who he is. After the Israelites had wandered in the desert some three days. And before then, they just seen the miracle of God destroying the Egyptians as the Israelites were called out of slavery and into the promised land. And during that process, they had to cross the Red Sea. They ended up crossing the Red Sea on dry ground. And when the enemy came behind them, God caused the water to cover them. So they just got, or they just got through seeing this magnificent miracle. And then they were in the desert for three days. And to start that time in the desert, verse uh, chapter 15 at the very beginning of it, they had a song that they wrote and sung to God, praising him for what he did praising him and acknowledging that he is the one that saved, that he is the one that rescued them. Now we fast forward three days later. And I don't know how many of you guys ever went three days without drinking water before. I haven't personally. But my mouth is pretty dry right now, so I can imagine having three days of not drinking water, how parched one would be. And at that point, after three days, the Israelites end up seeing a pool of water. So it's like, okay, finally, we will be refreshed. We got this water stand right here in the form of a pool that we're going to go to. And guess what? The water was nasty. It was bitter. And I don't know if you guys ever had bitter water before, but I went on a camping trip in Sulphur, Oklahoma one time. Yo, water with a touch of sulfur is no good. It's bitter. I would have had that same bitter water face that the Israelites had. But after drinking that water and thinking they were being refreshed, they tasted the bitter water. In verse 24, it says, so the people grumbled against Moses and saying, what are we to drink? In verse 25 of Exodus 15, we pick up here. It says, when Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood, he threw it into the water and the water became sweet. So we get our our first instance of Kool-Aid here, right? (laughs) The water became sweet. Verse 20, uh, the second part of 25, after they saw the Kool-Aid, there the Lord made a decree and a law for them. And there he tested them. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, 
if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. I am Jehovah Rapha. Verse 27, then they came to Elam where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. This is something else. Not only did they end up finding water, but then to their dismay ended up being bitter water. What did he end up doing? He ended up having Moses do a miracle, throwing a piece of wood in there, I don't know if it was a cinnamon stick or what. I'm not sure what it was. But he threw a piece of wood in that pool, and it became sweet. So now they can be refreshed after three days of having no water. After that, he tells them that, hey, if you pay attention, listen carefully, if you keep my commands, you won't have the diseases that I struck the Egyptians with. Pay attention, listen carefully. Then he also threw in, if you do what is right, you will not have those diseases. Then he told them, I am the Lord who heals you. Now I want to focus a little bit about the heart of a healer, the heart of our healer, the heart of Jehovah Rapha. One thing that really jumps out at me at this passage is our healer, He truly does have our best interest in mind. He didn't have to tell the Israelites that, hey, this is the secret from not having diseases. This is the secret of not having infirmities. He didn't have to tell them that. But he had their best interest in mind. He wanted to see the Israelites be able to prosper and enjoy long life. So he told them up front, Before you guys even enter the promised land, this is what you need to do. Listen carefully. Do what is right. Pay attention to what I'm telling you. You think about doctors nowadays. The personal doctors, the family doctors that we truly cherish, they have this sentiment about them, right? Mm -hmm. Is that they have your best interest in mind. They're not trying to fill their pockets with more money not trying to over-prescribe or over-medicate, but they're trying to help you, an individual, as a person, out. God is no different, right? He's truly trying to do things as best for us. One other thing that jumps out at me is our healer prescribes remedy with a personal touch. You know, after, after they left that pool, they ended up coming to some springs, And how many springs did they come to? Twelve. How many tribes of Israel were there? Twelve. God God is good like that sometimes, isn't he? Well, he's like, okay, yeah, that's twelve of you guys. I know I tricked you with the bitter water before. It was a test. I don't know if you guys passed the test or not, but it was a test. But now I'm going to lead you where each one of the tribes, each one of the family units, you guys have a spring to be refreshed from. And when I think about God, he's one of those that truly does 
I mean, he, he, he wants to please us as his children. And I can, I can say firsthand, he definitely wants to do that for me. I don't know if I shared with you guys before, but I always had an eye for Latino women. In kindergarten, I dated a girl named Maria who was Latino. And guess what I have now? I have a, a Judy Alvarez Mosley that God blessed me with. He, he knew my heart. He knew. He knew what I needed. And he blessed me accordingly because he has that personal touch. And he didn't stop there. The first ministry position, full-time ministry position we have, I think I get to come back to where I grew up at. I get to come back to Dallas. I get to be across the street from my parents. I get to be in the same city as my brother and my sister-in-law. It's God looks to bless with a personal touch. Think about your own life. How has God blessed you personally? Where he gave you exactly what your heart desired. He gave you something to let, let you know that he knows what's really happening in your heart. It may be your spouse. It may be your job. It may be where you live. It may be a gift of some sort. One of the sisters that shared after the 9 o'clock class she said God blessed her with a watch because of how long she had been with her company. She saw the watch before she was blessed with it. She's like, I'm not going to buy that. It costs too much money. But God knew. He's like, okay, yeah, you've been here at this company. I'm going to bless you with this watch because you knew. You, you wouldn't have spent the money on yourself. God said, I'll spend the money on you. I'll bless you with it. That's our healer. He truly does want to bless us with a personal touch. But the other thing that I see here in the later passage, through God, but through Jesus, is that our healer, he makes house calls. He will come to our home. He will come to our place of residence so he can bless us and take care of us. If you guys can turn to 1 Peter chapter, one, chapter 2, let's look at this passage here about our healer. Because most doctors... They don't make house visits any longer, right? They're like, hey, we got a spot. We got, we got a nice little multi-million dollar place. You come here, we'll take care of you, right? But our Jesus, Jesus said, I'm in a multi-billion dollar facility of heaven. <laughs> Came down to earth, and I'm going to hang with you guys for a little bit. Here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, speaking of Jesus, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we may die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Our shepherd left heaven so that he can be here with us so he could show us the way back to heaven and he left paradise so that he can be here with us you know i'm always amazed at doctors you know i think about fred height who's done well with his practice as a dentist but always takes time in his year to go back to a third world country haiti 
so that he can give back what God has given him the skill of dentistry and be able to give back to the people. You know, that's powerful, knowing that you can leave the comfort of America and go help people, help people out. You think about God has done that to a, a much fuller degree, right? Much fuller degree. He left paradise so that he can be here with us. But then he said, not only did I leave paradise to be here for you, I'm going to help you die to your sins so that you can live for righteousness. Die to sin and live to righteousness. One thing about our God, one thing I would say about our healer is that he came down to earth so that we can learn how to overcome. Overcome the folly overcome our sin, overcome the different things that try to knock us down, the spiritual sickness. Here are just a, a few examples. Let's say if you have an eye problem. I'm not just talking about sight, you know, being able to, you know, read the small friend of Jehovah Rapha right now. I'm talking about the eyesight in which we end up watching things that poison our minds. That type of eye problem. Things that don't build up, things that cause more temptation than they do entertain. How do we fight that? How do we get over that? John chapter 8, verse 2 through 4. I'm just going to highlight it. Because Jesus had a woman brought to him that was just caught in adultery. And it says that she was brought to him right after dawn. So I could see her being scantily dressed as the guys went in there and took her, left the man there at the house, I guess, and took her before Jesus. What did Jesus end up doing? Instead of being focused on her, he wrote on the ground. And he ended up giving them a little life lesson on mercy and forgiveness. That's our remedy when it comes to eye problems, that instead of focusing on the things that poison our mind, these shows on TV, the things that are on the Internet, the things that you can see on YouTube, instead of focusing on those things, let's focus and set our mind on things above. Let's focus on grace. Let's focus on mercy, forgiveness. That's what Jesus, he said, that's how you overcome an eye problem. Focus on the right things. Fix your eyes on Jesus Fix your eyes on God. What if I'm, I got a mental illness? You know, not mental illness as far as being diagnosed. I'm talking about being overly critical. I'm talking about that mental illness. How do we overcome that? And ask the question, did Jesus ever have to deal with being overly critical? I mean, he came from heaven, came here. Big difference <laughs> between who he was hanging out in heaven and what he had to hang out here. In Luke chapter 9, verse 41 and 42, I'll read it to you guys. The disciples tried to drive out a demon and a boy. And in verse 41, Jesus says, You unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back 
to his father. Jesus had to deal with the critical heart too. He had to deal with the lack of faith. He had to deal with saying the same message over and over and over again. What did he do? He didn't lock in on what they were doing. He locked in on the work of God. He worked, he ended up locking in, and that's what he came to do earlier in Luke chapter, uh, I want to say four or five. He talked about, I have come to set the captives free, not to be critical. You know, in criticalness, I mean, it has its place, right? If we're helping to build up, we need that constructive criticism, amen? And that's why we passed out the, uh, the cards, right? It's because if you, it's like, man, I wish this was better. Just go ahead and write your name on that area, amen? <laughs> go ahead and write your name there, and we're going to give you a spot so that you can make that better, amen? And that's how Jesus was. He was like, I'm not just going to be critical. I'm going to help try to build the faith of the people that are here. So if we're overly critical, our antidote is to serve. Serve those that we're critical of. Really go after being humble and helping them out. But the one that I think is most troubling, the biggest problem, I mean, we got an eye problem. We got being overly critical, but trusting. Trusting in the healer, trusting in the doctor is a tough one. You know, you, we've seen TV shows, right, where they had doctors portrayed in the TV show. And there's many different doctors out there. You got old young Doogie Hauser, you know, the young teenage doctor. But he was brilliant. Then you got House. I don't know if y'all seen that show, House. You got some of those doctors that are very obnoxious. And one of those where you're like, man, just email me the remedy. I don't want to see you face to face right now. But then you have our perfect God who's compassionate and kind but also would tell us the truth. It's definitely a mixed bag when it comes to our earthly doctors, but it's also a mixed bag when it comes to the different patients that are out there, right? Now, I want to ask you guys this question. I want you to just shoot out the answer. Raise your hand. From a doctor's point of view, what qualities of a patient make them difficult to deal with? If I'm a doctor and a patient come in my, in my office, what makes that patient hard to deal with? And if you think of one, just raise your hand. Anger. Anger. Very good one. Oh, I know better than you, doctor. Oh, that's a good one. Two. Denial. Denial. So they tell you what's wrong, and you're like, no, that can't be it. <laughs> no, I don't need to change my diet. Chris. Ooh, missing appointments. I, I don't want to follow up and have that next appointment. Yes. So you got anger, but then you got just negativity, right? Carol. Mm, that was yours too. Huh? She like that, that speaks. Not being able, not wanting to follow the instruction. Last one. Dishonesty. That's a big one. We're not honest with our symptoms. We're not honest how we think the problem started. All these different things can keep 
the doctor can keep the healer, keep us from really helping him out, helping us out. If we're dishonest, if we're angry. I mean, we've seen that on TV shows, and we might have even been that person. We showed up to the doctor's office, we was just mad, just, just for no reason. Or maybe we had a reason, right? Or you like me. Well, I just don't want to visit the doctor. I just don't even want to show up. You know, that's, that's definitely a, a guy thing at times. But, but there's some wise guys out there as well that, that go see the doctor when they need to. But besides having a checkup or going to a, a physical, I've only been to a doctor a couple times. And I hated it every time I went. I remember in college one time, I had this, I had this, this thing on my leg, on my thigh. And my roommates, it was like, oh, man, I think I've seen that before, Clint. I think I've seen it. I think that's a brown recluse spider bite. That's what I think that is. And I was like, no, nah, I don't think that is. No, man, I don't think that's it. And then he started explaining to me, you know, it's been a couple of days at this point. He was like, you know, this is what happens. You know, it, it starts digging into your skin and killing the skin around it. And then maybe even your leg will fall off or something. I was like... <laughs> I didn't believe him, but I was like, if that's a possibility, I need to go ahead and go to the doctor and check it out. So I ended up going to the doctor. I waited about an hour and a half. The doctor came, looked, looked at me. Oh, yeah, that's an ingrown hair follicle. <laughs> the remedy for that is just to wait. It's going to be over. No antibiotics needed. $250 later, I'm just waiting. And $250 for a campus student, that's a lot of plasma, right? That's a lot of giving blood. And I was like, that's why I don't like going to the doctor. That's why. But of course, not every doctor visit is like that. It's not always like that, but we got things that we must overcome as being the patient so that the healer, so that the doctor can truly treat us. Because on the other end of the spectrum, we have the good patients, the ones that are truthful. You know, as mentioned earlier, not not being truthful about our symptoms or some of the causes. But a good patient is very truthful. The good patient, they they know what's happening in their body and they're good at explaining it. Because that's one thing a doctor, he, he doesn't feel what you feel. But a good patient is able to explain what's going on. A good patient is grateful and kind because that doctor, that healer, is taking time out of their day to see us and try to help us. What kind of patience are we to God? What kind of patient are we? Are we like me where sometimes I just don't want to go and bring my problems to God? I think he has too much going on in in his world to to focus on my little problems. Or maybe we're like, yes, I will speak to God, but really I'm speaking to God. I'm not trying to listen to him. I'm not trying to listen carefully and pay attention. And I'm trying to tell him, hey, God, this is this is what I need you to do to your playbook. I need you to change your playbook to look like this and to do, do this because I know. Are we like that? Or are we grateful? Are we grateful that our God is 
taking the time to see us face to face, to give us his word, to listen to our prayers, because he truly do wants to heal us. He truly do want to see the best for us. Because I'm thoroughly convinced that everyone loves a healer, but we don't like going through the surgery. We don't like going through that pain. Being in the hospital bed, waiting, having a lack of mobility or having to take medication or having to rest or, you know, fill in the blank. We want to be healed, but going through that, we're like, can, can I do something else, God? I love the idea of not having eye problems anymore. I love the idea of not being critical anymore, but being trusting and serving. I love the idea of that. But are we willing to go through that surgery? Are we willing to have that bitter water moment? Where we taste the water and we're like, man, this is not what I asked for. Or are we going to wait long enough to see the springs? Are we going to wait long enough for him to truly bless us? What kind of patient? What kind of patient are you? One thing I love about God and love about Jesus is that the way we are at patience don't change his goodness. It don't change. And sometimes it may change the way he administers treatment to us, but he still has our best in mind. Uh, he still is going to try to have a personal touch to help us out. And he still is going to try to walk with us to convince us is that his way is going to heal us. Amen. Amen. I want to take a, a, a little patient health quiz right quick. Just a little something just to, to help us out. Because we all want to be healthy, amen? Yeah. We love being healthy emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically. We love it. At least we love the idea of it, amen? <laughs> we got a couple questions. I got five questions for you to really evaluate our health spiritually. When you're going through something difficult, do you pray about it? Do we go to the healer and pray and ask? The Bible says, if we lack wisdom, ask for it. Go to him. Talk to him. Figure out what is missing. Number two, when you experience peer pressure from the fake doctors, do you allow God's teaching to guide you? Is that our first thing is to go to God's word or to start listening to the so-called experts that aren't God. Number three, do you make it a point to read your Bible at least four to five times a week? At least four to five times a week because he, he has best practices already in there, right? He has ways to overcome our sinful ways. It's already there already listed. He's like, here's a cheat sheet to help you. But are we taking that cheat sheet and reading it? Number four, do you find it easy to recognize God's blessings in your life? 
That's a big one. Because if we don't recognize it, are we going to want to go to the healer? Are we, will we want to go to the doctor if we don't even see him as a value? If we don't see him as someone that blesses, that heals. And number five, do you trust that God has your best interest at heart? Even when it seems like everything is falling apart. That's probably one of the hardest ones for me. Is that, okay, God, I know you're good. I know you created this world that I'm living in. I know you can fix anything because we just sung about it. But my world, as I know it, is falling apart. And it's tough to grasp on you right now. It's tough to really feel that Jehovah Rapha is there for me and is there to heal me. And when I come to that point in my own walk, my scripture I go to is 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. That's, that's my scripture. That's my anchor scripture that I have to go back to is that when Clint started getting crazy, and forget who God is, who the healer is. And we all need to have that scripture. And God ends up telling, telling us that he surveys the land, looking to strengthen those who are fully committed to him. He's looking to strengthen those who are fully committed to him. That's my scripture, Second Chronicles 16, 9. That's what I go back to. I have to go back to, if I'm going to be committed to him, I'm going to make those doctor's visits that he schedules with me. I'm going to get in my word and read what he gives me to do. I'm going to call him and make, hey, this is happening. I didn't see it happening. I didn't foresee it to happen. But I want to be committed to who you are in my life. And you are my doctor. You're the one that's going to be able to help me out. What's going to be your scripture? What's going to be your, when, when we're taking this quiz, this spiritual health quiz, when, when we feel like we're failing to bring us back to the truth, to bring us back to what is right? Because Satan will definitely try to play with our minds, right? He'll try to find a way to take us down, to make us think that God is not listening. Not only is God not listening, but you have these people that know better than God. Won't you talk to those people? They'll be able to tell you what's really wise. Because definitely no one is wiser than our God. Amen. Amen. Which brings me back to Exodus chapter 15, verse, verse uh, 25 through 26 is that when we're taking this health quiz, we're trying to, to get our life back aligned with Christ and to see our healer and to be able to understand the heart that he has and trying to really guide us, going back to what we see here. Verse, uh, Exodus 15, 25, it says, There the Lord issued a rule and instruction for them to put them to the test. He says, If you listen carefully, to the Lord your God, 
do what is right in his eyes, not our own eyes. If you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will bring, not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. I, the Lord, I am the Lord who heals you. That's the question for us. As we get ready to take the bread and the juice, the question is, do we believe the Lord is the one that heals us? Do we believe, believe that he's just Jehovah or Jehovah Ra? The one that heals, the one that looks into your soul, that even when you're not being truthful with yourself, he can see into our hearts, see into our minds, and try to put you into a place to help you out, to help us out. Because I, I thoroughly believe that God loves us that much. Is that when, even when we're not being the patient that we need to be, that he's going to try different ways. He might send in that nurse, you know, that practitioner. He'll send somebody else in to try to convince us. He's like, okay, maybe if they're not going to listen to me, maybe they'll listen to Tom. You know, Tom has a calming spirit about him. You know, maybe he'll listen to Tawanda. Because God truly does have our best interest in mind. Because he came, he died, so that we can die to our sins, so that we can live to righteousness. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the one that used his own wounds in Jesus to heal us. And as we take the bread and take the juice right now, let's proclaim in our own lives that we will listen carefully, that we will do what is right, and that we will pay attention to our Lord because he truly is the one that can heal us. Amen? Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, Jehovah Rapha, you are the one that heals. You're unlike any doctor where anything that you prescribe, it's always spot on. And we can all attest to what you have done in our lives and how you put certain people in our life or you moved us out of this situation and put us in that situation to help us out spiritually. I pray that we truly do recognize that you are the perfect healer. And also that we can recognize what type of patient we've been towards you. Have we been that moody patient, angry, the prideful patient that, that thinks we know better than you? Or the patient don't, that don't even come to your office, that won't even dare to set foot in your office? I pray that we do cherish what we have in you as our God. Thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for the reminder and the bread and the juice that you have given everything so that we can go through the surgeries of life and be healed. Thank you for this opportunity and all this we pray in your son, Jesus' name. Amen.